This week, I had the pleasure of sitting down and having a conversation with Brody McCulloch, founder and managing director of Space Cubed, the really funky and highly vibrant um, co-working space based on St George's Terrace in Perth. It's, it's a real home to an established community of small businesses and entrepreneurs, and there's an amazing vibe when, as soon as you walk in there. Brody talks about how we're all facing the prospect of having to retrain and upskill every five years and, 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 and no more will we be able to just get a job and rely on a job for life. And the fact that it's now our responsibility to take control and be accountable for our own skills and their own way we go out into the workplace and add value. And Brody and his team have really created a physical space that provides not just the physical infrastructure, but the events and the programs to really provoke and support people to develop these new skills, skills that we don't even know um, we're going to need yet. It's, um, it's a great conversation. We also go into the future of work and what the workplace is going to look like. And how Space Cubed itself is is playing its role in encouraging new businesses that um, go beyond our resource sector focus in Western Australia. Um, Brody also goes really deep on on sort of the inner skills required for navigating the entrepreneur's journey, and he certainly um, talks about some of the things he's uh, um, learnt in his earlier life. Also, as I've said before. We're really keen to know here at WA Real just who else and what house you want to listen to. So please, again, head over to their Facebook page and go and check out the little link to the survey. Now, here's Brody. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. The future of work, workspace and entrepreneurship are just some of the areas that we're going to dive into today with my guest, Brody McCulloch. Born and raised in Derby in WA, Brody studied commerce, marketing and e-commerce at Murdoch Uni. At the same time, he was in the Army Reserves as a gunner for five years. Later on in his career, in 2010, he founded Spacecubed, the home to a community of small businesses and entrepreneurs. It provides both the physical infrastructure as well as the events and programs to support this community and works towards the vision of empowering connecting 100,000 businesses and changemakers by 2015. Brody, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, as I said in the intro, you grew up in Derby, which is a long way up north. <laughs> yeah. And um, one of the things I like to do at the start of all these podcasts, because it's WA real, is, is just understand people's relationship with WA. So, can you give us an idea of what it was like growing up way up north in Derby? Yeah, so my family moved around a lot. So my brother was born in Kalgoorlie. Um, Dad was a social worker. Mum was a nurse. So we actually, they sort of did their country time working throughout the country, which a lot of public servants do uh, do and still do. Um, So we actually ended up in Port Hedland for most of my sort of early childhood. So, uh, yeah, enjoyed the country life before moving to the city uh, when I was sort of 11 or 12. So, Um, But, yeah, West Australia... And country Western Australia, I think through a lot of the work we're doing now is, is an important part because mm. it can be sort of left behind in a lot of the conversations we have when we're even talking about the future of work and people able to work anywhere. I think the focus we've had on the country and regional Australia has been really important and probably a lot of that's driven through my early time yeah. uh, living uh, in the country. How did you, um, how was the city of Perth viewed? Because you know, it's like thousands of kilometres away, not the big smoke. I think it's still probably viewed in the same way <laughs> yeah. that it's a long way away in the, the yeah. big smoke. So I don't think much has changed in my interactions with uh, you know regional communities. Uh, the same the, the same ideas are there for sure. Yeah. I think probably the connectedness and, and ha- that's probably the big change in that now you you know uh, with the internet you can be so connected uh, within those communities and I think there's a lot of change to be done in that space. Mm. Mm. So you went and studied commerce marketing. And e-commerce, mm-hmm. and this is back in two thousand. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, what drew you towards that and and e-commerce as well? Because that must have been really early days as well. It was, and I guess I at the time didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I think as a lot of people don't know what they want to do when they're sort of seventeen, eighteen years old. Um, so, saw um, you know a commerce degree as a way to get a widespread of different ideas. And I guess for me, it wasn't until you know sort of year three, year four. 
um, of that where I did do uh, actual dedicated sort of e-commerce units and had a really good lecturer at the time who had um, gone through the dot-com boom and bust and um, he was now sort of lecturing and, and working, uh, uh, running those e-commerce units and the, the unit was actually set up in her own business which just wasn't the norm at university at the time mm. and even now it's not it's not necessarily yeah. the norm so you know he was sort of thinking outside the box the unit was just you know build something and I think for me that's probably what got me started on this track around entrepreneurship where I did try a number of different ideas um, I was working but trying different things at the same time and and yeah without that unit I don't know if I would have been on on this uh, on this path so yeah Do, as you look back where some of the things you learned are they still applicable or quite a lot of it obsolete with the way things have moved? Or? Yeah, I, I think that in general, I, I'm not like accounting's definitely not my strongest point. And so I think some of those things definitely now later in life have come in to, uh, to help me. Yes. So even looking back at what I learned then, you know, wasn't much use for sort of 10 to, 10 to 12 years, but now it's actually, I sort of need this stuff every day with yes. what I'm doing. Um, I definitely think in the e-commerce things, things have moved, but the basic principles of getting started and starting small and growing your ideas, um, I think that's carried on to today. Uh, it's just it's a lot easier now to do. Mm. Whereas back then, I remember starting a business and to build a website was $15,000 sort of thing. Wow, yeah. Whereas now it's you know, free essentially to, <laughs> yes. to build your own website. So I think the tools have got cheaper and more ubiquitous, um, but a lot of the mindset that I learned um, through that unit and also through broader university and starting up businesses mm. um, definitely hasn't changed. I think it's become more important now just with how quickly things are changing. So at the same time, you were in the Army Reserves, mm -hmm. and, and I find this really interesting. Anybody that's got, uh, decided to go and, and, and pursue that as well, were there many other things? Why, why did you do that? Mm -hmm. And were there any lessons there that you learned that have stood you in good stead? Yeah, so I actually joined, I think I deferred uh, for 12 months from university, I think after my sort of second year where I was like, right, what is all this stuff I'm learning? I think in year three was when you actually learned things you were interested. The it all starts clicking. That's right. Um, so I, through that process, I was like, right, I want to go and you know explore. And I guess people either take a gap year and go and travel. Um, I actually joined the Army <laughs> Reserves and crammed in a lot of my basic sort of training into that first year. So you mm. got more qualified. Um, when I went back to university after that, uh, university was literally the easiest thing I've ever done yes. compared to digging holes in the desert. So I think that taught a lot about, you know, just needing to, when things get tough, you're just going to keep pushing through, mm. um, which definitely aligns well and has helped in my entrepreneurial journey. Oh, um, learning from, you know, working as a team that, and working with the people around you to get a result. Um, the army definitely drilled that in. Um, definitely, some of the sleep deprivation <laughs> sort of helped. Um, but the skills that I learned there, uh, yeah, I think that sort of anyone to go through that if they don't know what they're wanting to do. You know, you can go and travel through Europe; that's no problem. But for me, the army was a, a really good way to sort of consolidate a lot of my thinking because uh, it gives you a fair bit of time to think. You know, the saying "sort of hurry up and wait" uh, is the is sort of what the army army lives by, and and it gave me the opportunity. Can really, you explain that a bit further? Oh, ha hurry up! Well, there's all everything's always in a rush to happen, but often there's just long periods of nothing happening. So, right. <laughs> you, and I think that's in business as well. You know, you can be in a rush all the time, but keeping an eye on the bigger picture and, and knowing that sometimes you've just got to stop. It's, it's not actually good to be running and doing stuff all the time. Sometimes you need to step back, review what's going on, and then move forward. Mm. Um, I think a lot of those lessons were learned through that experience. And, and the people that I got to work with were really great. Um, and set me up to yeah do mm. probably the, the other things I've done throughout my career. Um, where I'm working for a cruise line in the US, um, I think my army background actually you know that experience definitely helped with that um, because long hours, all those sort of things. Um, but it was yeah definitely a pivotal pivotal thing for me, and I do recommend it to people if they're unsure about what they want to do with in life. Then that's a great way to work it out very quickly. Mm. Even if you work out that that's not what you want to do, it gives you the it opens you up to a whole different world of people and opportunities mm. and ideas um, which you might not think necessarily from the army that that's what it's going to do for you but it did for me and I think put me in really good stead from an entrepreneurship perspective to to actually yeah use some of those skills to to grow what I've been working on. I think um, I, I myself didn't go to the forces but certainly one of the things that strikes me from some of the good friends that I've got 
he's the real strength of leadership the skills that they have and their sense of what high performance actually looks like and um, sometimes we don't always have that role modeled earlier on in life and to be exposed to those two things this is what leadership looks like and this is what high performance looks like means that we have a clear benchmark to live by for the rest of our lives yeah no i definitely agree and i think yeah learning it at an, as early as possible uh is important i think some of the reason why we're doing entrepreneurship programs and enterprise skills programs with schools because the only earlier you learn those skills mm. the better they'll serve you throughout life as well so i think there's parallels with that where yeah definitely the earlier you can learn these things they'll just you know the sort of the compound impact they'll have over your life yes. uh, is probably a good way to explain it and we'll dig into that in, in, in a bit more in just a bit later so for anybody out there who's li listening to this podcast and, and, and not quite sure of actually what space cube is from my very limited little introduction <laughs> yeah. can you explain what it is mm -hmm. and, and also what is a, a social enterprise because mm. it's described as such yeah so maybe i'll explain the, the second one first yep. so um a social enterprise when when i moved back to perth in yeah 2010 I was looking at, um, I'd sort of seen a lot of different models overseas and had read a lot of sort of Muhammad Yunus's work around social business and he does a, he was set up micro um, banking in Bangladesh. Yep. So I read a lot about that at the same time, I had read a lot about how capitalism was sort of destroying our world. And this sort of, you know, on one hand, capitalism can do so much to, you know, and it's really lifted everyone, not everyone, but lifted a lot of people out of, out of poverty and, and improved standards of life and provides that sort of promise and hope for a lot of other people. But on the flip side, you know, it's also created a lot of destructive forces that, mm. um, that you know, we're now trying to deal with from climate change and a whole range of different things, inequality. Um, so I saw, read these two, sort of read a number of different books around this and, and moved back to Perth and saw an opportunity at the time. It was like peak of the mining boom. Everyone was really busy digging stuff up out of the ground yep. and shipping it overseas. Um, and I guess I saw an opportunity where, you know, how can we support people who come out with new ideas to tackle some of these big social, environmental and economic problems and social business where, and social enterprise where people, you know, it's not just the profit motivation for a business, it's also the social and the environmental impact. Hmm. Um, and there's a whole spectrum of different ways this could work. It could be a charity that sets up a for-profit business. It could be um, a business that bakes in its social impact into what it's doing. Um, there's a number of certifications, so we're a B Corp as Space Cubed, which means we yeah, measure ourselves not just on profit made, but also on the impact we have on the community. So a whole range of different ways you can do it, but essentially it boils down to that. It's what, through your business activities, are you doing that have that positive impact um, and, and can benefit the community? So from the social enterprise piece, I was very interested in that and sort of started looking at the time around setting up a bike share social enterprise in Fremantle. Uh, and this was very early on before mm, there was before bike shares bikes. everywhere. That's right. Um, so I started looking at that and through that process, um, really saw that there was this big gap for how entrepreneurs were being supported and how people with new ideas were being supported in Western Australia. There was a few different government programs, um, but in general, considering so much of the workforce is moving towards needing to be on, more entrepreneurial in just their daily lives, there just wasn't that level of support. So um, we started looking at, well, what are the opportunities to, to do that? Um, and Space Cube was sort of what, what came out of that, where um, providing, uh, at the time, it was just providing space and co-location and support, um, peer support for people. But it's really grown a lot since then, and, and our spaces have grown, the community's grown. Space Cube's got about 2,600-odd members now from right. a whole range of different industries. And we've sort of restructured it so people join as a member of Space Cubed, and then they can access all our different types of spaces and programs mm. and events so, and support. It's like Riff, Solder, and, and, and Combine. And yeah, we have a, a what we saw, and we're quite different to other. I was just in the Australia, at the Australia Co working conference last week, where a lot, of, a lot of other companies have just got one brand, which they're sort of rolling out sort of interstate or nationally or across yeah. cities. Whereas we've taken a different approach where people join as that member of Space Cubed. And then if they're in creative industries, Riff is really a great space for them. We have a lot of digital agencies and those sort of guys using that space, a bit more creative, a few more plants, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and then we've got Flux, which is sort of more New York industrial, which is more sort of engineering companies, later stage technology companies. And it's amazing when you see people come in and they visit both spaces, often they'll be drawn to one or the other. So this allows them to be part of a bigger community, a space cube, where they get access to you know, um, 
our online network, passport programs, so when they're interstate they can use our partner spaces over there. Um, they get access to all the programs, events, but then also these different types of spaces depending on what work they're doing um, and, and what they need from space and need from community. Um, but it has grown really rapidly, so we've got over 5,000 square metres of space in, on St George's Terrace now, um, which is, makes us sort of one of the bigger, definitely the, one of the biggest flexible space providers, but also one of the bigger sort of property managers in the city. Yes. Uh, and we have, yeah, literally you know, over 800 desks, so people, over 800 people sort of using our spaces daily. Um, and all of those people are parts of different, either it could be a single startup founder, it's got a new idea or it could be you know a larger company we have microsoft at one of our spaces uh, we often have sort of woodside and bhp using our spaces so um it's changed a lot in that we started with that intention around startups and just supporting entrepreneurs but now it really is about you know there's a new way of work coming um yes definitely important to support them and we run a range of programs and investment programs to do that but at the same time how everyone's working is changing so how can we facilitate that to happen and connect those entrepreneurs in more closely with larger companies to work on their big challenges. So, so it's, it's evolved a lot and, and I guess, yeah, we're really interested. We've done all of that through a downturn as well. Yes. Um, yes. So we're very excited about what happens over the next sort of three to five years, mm. um, where it's quite the opposite in Sydney and Melbourne, where they've sort of been going through a boom um, from a property perspective. Um, and from an economy perspective, whereas we've been sort of on the opposite trajectory, so which just seems to be turning around now. Was it a big scary leap when you first set it up? Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It's one of those cases I think of. You don't know what you don't know when you start something, and if you well, did know, you, you probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah, you so, solve yourself for not going. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely, um, and we'd managed to sort of mitigate our risk through um, working with. Uh, Literally, the 45 St George's Terrace ground space was one of the last spaces in the CBD at the time. So all other commercial real estate had sort of been let because it was at that peak of the yeah, boom. Yeah. So we'd done a deal with um, Stockland, who owned the building at the time, where um, so we could test the model. We would stagger up our rent over sort of 12 months so that we could build memberships and make sure that this was actually something yes. that people wanted. Well, without be losing into something that was going to... Yeah, that's right. Without losing the house yeah. and the shirt, <laughs> sort of um, so that was really good, and that worked well, and it allowed us to really test the model, build the community, which we did started doing before the space was even open, um, and then grow from there. And it's really just kept growing from that point. So when you pulled the trigger, you knew that you'd got a sense of momentum behind it. That's right. Yeah, definitely. And and people, we had our members contribute to the design of the space as well, so they went much more engaged than just you know coming into a space and sitting at a desk. There was that sort of focus on community and still is around building connections between people um, to help both their business and personal. Um, I guess something we don't talk about enough but is actually a big motivator for this um, and a big reason people come into the space where a lot of our members could work from home if they wanted but now people can work anywhere and that isolation, especially for freelancers and, and yes. solo you know, founders and small businesses even, mm. um, that isolation is only getting sort of worse in society. So we think spaces like this can actually do a big, um, yeah. be a big part of solving that problem, which is only going to get worse and worse. So that's why I was exposing you to lots of different people, ideas, perspectives, mm -hmm. and, and yeah. Yep, definitely. Um, th there's all those pieces, and then there's just the day-to-day -day interaction with people that's mm. not through a device or a, a laptop. So, yes. so we see that that is something that's going to be a, a big growth, and we're, we're having more and more people where yeah, they could work at home but they would rather work a couple of days a week in this sort of environment to um, connect with others, look at new opportunities, um, run some, go to some programs and some learning opportunities as well. So, yeah, we, we think it's, it's part of a bigger trend around how people work changing. When you um, first got to that realisation of, yeah, I want to do this, mm -hmm. what was the real personal sort of driver and impact that was driving you? Brody. Yeah, I think, um, I guess there's sort of that macro trend on the world changing so quickly. How do you yeah. actually, how do we support people to come up with yeah. new ideas? I guess that's that the change? kind of logical yeah. thing, but it's got it, there must have been an emotive part. Yeah, I think for me, it probably goes back to, you know, when I was wanting to start up, when I was starting up businesses, 
there just wasn't any support, there wasn't the peer networks. Um, so I guess it drills down directly to my own experience mm. in trying to start stuff up and, you know, starting things, starting new ideas is one of the hardest things, definitely, I think, one of, definitely one of the hardest things you can do. And, you know, you want to be in an environment that gives you the best chance of, of succeeding. Um, so I think for me, it's this is the sort of space that I would have liked, you know, 10, 12, mm. 13 years ago. Um, where you've got that community of people who are in the same boat as you and maybe some are further along, maybe some are further behind, but you can learn off them and also support people who are starting up um, with their ideas. So for me, that's really what it boils back to is, yeah, making sure that um, there's an environment where people, no matter what the idea is, they have the best opportunity of executing on that. And I think Space Cubed can deliver that through the community, through space and through that support. There's a nice sense of giving back in that as I listen to you. Yeah, no, I think the, um, and the, the way we've structured the business is that it is built to, um, in that social enterprise sort of structure where we do have um, our sort of for-profit business, um, which is owned um, by a not-for-profit, uh, not fully, but um, the largest shareholder is a not-for-profit. And that not for, we, we actually restructured this sort of end of last year, um, where the not-for-profit can focus on our programs with schools and entrepreneurship and education. We run a number of school hackathons and things like that. Right. Um, regional entrepreneurship, so supporting um, programs and events within regional WA, um, and also entrepreneurship research. So there actually isn't a huge amount of research into mm. um, you know what makes a good entrepreneur. How do you find? How do you support people who you know might not be doing well in school, but actually have really you know solid street smarts and could potentially be a really great entrepreneur? What are the? How can you support them? So, so. Our model allows us where we can operate our commercial ventures and our spaces and, and you know, deliver our mission through that. But yep. then at the same time, um, money that comes through table, that, yep. but also do. But then we can invest over the long term in, that, um, in those longer term ideas around supporting you know, schools, um, universities, uh, regional WA to support their entrepreneurs as well. So, um, again, if we go back to the person who's, who's, who's never been here, Mm-hmm. Um, can you descri- describe you know, what does it look like here and how is it used? Yeah, so um, it's it, this, it's a co-working space. So mm-hmm. we have a whole range of different people that come in and use it. Um, but people can access, you know, uh, hot desks. So they just come in with their laptop set up. And a lot of people do. They just want two days a week sort of out of their home office and in a different environment. Yep. They can get their own desk if they want. Um, and Or they can get their own office. So they're sort of the different levels. Um, we have a basic level of community membership which people can join and that gets them along to events, um, uh, discount off meeting rooms, along to programs, those sort of things. So it's more just to get involved. And then we've got a free sort of online level of Connect membership, um, which is designed for people who just want to start getting involved, find out what's going on. They might come and use a meeting room every now and then. So different, really we can have people from that beginning all the way through as they grow their business. And we've got bigger companies up to sort of 20, 20 people plus that are using our spaces now because, yeah, people don't need their own space anymore. They just need access to space as they grow. Um, so different types of spaces, as I mentioned, Riff is really sort of green, light, um, uh, yeah, sort of creative space, whereas Flux is more industrial, um, sort of exposed ceilings, uh, New York sort of loft we get. It gets called quite a lot. Right. Um, so different types of space for different types of people, but SpaceCube members can access all our different types of spaces. Hmm. And so having this sort of flexible and responsive workplace, how does that tie into this whole hot topic of the future of work? And, hmm. and can you just give us an insight again to somebody who doesn't quite get it? What hmm. does the future of work mean? Yeah, I, I think it's... It is all just being driven by sort of demographic shifts. Um, so by 2025, 75% of the workforce will be millennials, which is a, at the moment sort of sitting around th- late 30s, sort of 40% mark. Mm. Um, and that shift, uh, these spaces are responding to that workforce now wanting, they can work anywhere and they want to work anywhere. That, so wherever they're most productive is where they want to work. So flexible workspace really facilitates that where they can come in for one day or they can get their own space or they can get an office. They can book everything on demand, which they're used to through Uber and Airbnb and those sort of things. Yes. Um, so it provides that platform for office space as well. Um, but yeah, big shifts around <clears throat> yeah, 75% of the workforce being millennials. Larger companies we talk to are looking at sort of 50% 
of their workforce being sort of casual, on-demand freelancer, um, freelance workers. Um, and they're sort of asking the question, well, if we've only got sort of 50% of the full-time staff, why would we get 100% of the space? So mm. they, them getting, as part of their contracts with these freelancers, they'll get them memberships in these sort of co-working spaces. Um, so there's a big global, global change happening in, in that space. And it's not just coming from sort of the startups, it's coming from larger companies, medium-sized businesses, all looking at how do they attract top talent um, because they're going to need to offer these sort of spaces if they want to get the best talent. But also, it's just responding to how people are working differently, where they want to be in different environments that make them productive, they want to be able to work anywhere, um, and the technology now allows them to do that. So there's a number of sort of converging trends um, that are all sort of hit in the next five years. Yes. Um, so it's going to be, you know, there's about 14,000 co-working spaces globally at the moment. That's going to bump up to 30,000 by 2023. Wow. Um, so there's just huge growth in this space. Um, yes. And it's all just driven by, yeah, that big shift in how people work and what the workforce is made up of. So we're simply responding to that shift yes. and providing services and products and, and experience that, that facilitates that. Have you had much interest from other companies up and down here on the terrace? You know, your bigger resource companies who just want to come and see and what you're doing and what they can learn. Yeah, definitely. So we have yeah a lot of um, larger businesses who are now looking at maybe a smaller footprint for their head office, but then having access to flexible space as well. Um, also from a design perspective, a lot of the larger companies are very interested in what we're doing where they're all sort of now just adjusting to maybe their all their staff don't have a desk anymore. They have this sort of activity base so mm. they bring in a laptop each day and that sort of stuff um, whereas this is a whole other level where it's actually it's not just your staff but everyone sitting around them is working for different companies as well mm. so that's a whole nother level but we are seeing a lot of the a lot of the cor bigger corporates in Perth now looking at this sort of space um, and I guess something else we've done is by having industry specific spaces where yes. it might be a bit of a stretch for you know a larger resources firm or an engineering firm to just go into sort of this this sort of space, um, whereas we've got Core Resources Innovation Hub, which is mining and energy specific space, so project teams, startups are in there, focused on those sectors. Um, we've got Combine, which is the ag tech sort of focused space. So I think by anchoring it to what do we globally have a global competitive advantage in mm. and what sort of West Australia are really good at, how do we sort of wrap technology and connect entrepreneurs with new ideas in that in those spaces mm. is what that provides but yeah definitely we've, we've seen a big shift in it was probably end of last year where we started having it wasn't just sort of ceos marketing and hr coming through it was um you know cfos going well how does this impact my balance sheet that mm. sort of thing and i think when the cfos start coming through you know things are serious yes things so, are serious yeah, yeah. so big yeah. big change and we only think there'll be more and more of that as the workforce changes and as the needs of larger companies change I said, yeah, I suppose, especially for the CFO, I mean, that, that uh, land estate is usually the second biggest cost to a business mm -hmm. after labour, so, yeah. Yeah, big time. I think the, um, especially when their staff are no longer wanting to go into the same head office every day, so they need to respond to what their staff actually need while they, um, yeah, while they provide an opportunity for, um, for their business to grow in different environments as well. How much do you... Um sort of track and follow and enable the working behaviours here and how much do you actually try and lead it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense? Yeah, and it's a really tough one because when you do have all these different businesses with different cultures, there's sort of an expectation that we do lead that to a degree. And it's more a leading through example, so it's the behaviours of our staff, um, it's small things that actually do have a big impact on what all the different members do. Mm. Um, we've been really lucky in the way we onboard people and the way we pe set people up. We've had the opportunity to, you know, people sort of get it and because everyone's paying to be in our spaces, they opt yeah. in to what they're yes. getting into. So I haven't been asked for a while to sign a non-disclosure agreement um, because someone who's wanting to do that and worried about sharing their ideas won't come into a space like this. Yes. So um, we did have it a little bit early on, but the model here is share your ideas. So people are opting in to that when they turn up. Um, right. And that drives the culture of the space as well. If it is a sharing, open, collaborative environment, and that's been set up from your, from your initial meeting with our staff all the way through, then that drives that culture. And don't get me wrong, there's some people who are just coming in to do their work each day, but then a lot of people are wanting to connect with others, um, 
provide opportunities, um, buy you know services off each other, trade with each other. So, um, yeah, it really is. It's more of an opt-in thing. If people just if they're worried about someone stealing their idea, uh, when everyone here is pretty busy working on their own ideas, yes. let alone worrying about stealing yours, you've got to be really passionate to, to work on your ideas. Yeah, so yeah. stealing you're stealing well, them usually. Yeah, that's right. It, it, we just haven't seen it happen, and not saying that it would never happen, but. People are busy, um, you know, execution is sort of everything. People are busy working on their own ideas and, and especially now with the speed of things moving, your idea's only got a certain shelf life before there's definitely someone else in the world doing it and, and it's about speed to market um, rather than, yeah, worrying about who's going to steal it, why not tell people and get them helping you rather than you just holding it and it never happening. Mm. What role do you see... Um, Spacecube playing in um, encouraging entrepreneurship and new businesses so we can start to level out our statewide addiction on <laughs> digging up molecules and exporting them. Yeah, um, I think, and we're starting to see some outcomes of it now where we had people who started as a team of four, you know, when we opened five, six years ago sort of thing. And now they've got, you know, they're signing their own leases for, you know, 2,000 square metres on St George's, getting their name on the building sort of thing, mm. have 300 staff globally. That must be rewarding. Yeah, so I think that's the that's sort of the measuring stick of wh- where things are going. Um, and also the thing to understand is, you know, it doesn't, businesses don't, aren't created over in 12 months. They take, yeah. you know, all the overnight successes are usually 10-year-old businesses. <laughs> um, so I think it's really a matter of, you know, we're sort of six years in now. I think the next four years, again, will be really interesting where we're seeing companies growing within our spaces and then outgrowing them. Yeah. Um, and I think that has a big impact where all you need is a few of those hiring, you know, four or five hundred people each. Um, and it, it has a big impact on the economy and on what's happening locally and gives people other options. Um, yes. Mining and energy is still going to be a really important part. But yeah, what we, whatever we can do to level out those sort of peaks and troughs um, in, in, in you know, the boom and bust cycle is going to be important. I think this space can, uh, space cubed can play a big role in, in doing that. Um, also through, we, we've invested recently in Skills of the Modern Age, which is a learning program. So it does okay. sort of short courses, workshops. Um, it was based on feedback from our members that they're wanting to upskill, you know, it could be around 3D printing, could be around growth marketing, but they wanted the short, sharp, how they could do that quickly. Um, and that program provides that. So I think it's also about how do we retrain, you know, existing, you know, considering people's jobs, they're going to, I think the number is uh, for your year 12 now, they're going to have 18 careers, not just jobs, but careers, oh, yeah, careers. in their life. Um, so if they're having 18 careers, they need to be retraining basically every five, four to five years. Um, and our current system isn't set up to do that. So through CORE, we have a skills program where it's like geologists learning data science and those sort of things. Um, So I think that's going to be an important piece as well. The space, yep, it creates a great environment, but then what are the activities and programs that support people to retrain faster and faster and gain skills and knowledge quicker and quicker, but then also implement that. So so it's a a tough one, but I think that's part of the role that we play and through the companies we support, we can play a bigger role in that. Um, um, are you able? What, what would your view be on like the pulse or the health check of where the sort of startup entrepreneurial scene is here mm. in Perth and Western Australia? Yeah, I think it's um, it's an interesting one. I think it's so in Sydney. Maybe give some st- like interstate yeah. context. Um, so Brisbane is investing as. A, Sorry, not just Brisbane, Queensland's Queensland government is investing about six. I think they've got approved another two hundred million, so six hundred million dollars in science, technology, and innovation over four years, um, and and they're sort of halfway through that the spend on that. Um, and I would have said maybe three years ago, Brisbane and Perth were probably uh, at the same level as far as innovation and the ecosystem for supporting innovation okay. and entrepreneurship goes. Now you can't compare the two at all. So Queensland, through that cash injection, has just taken off, sort of thing. Yeah. Like even they're doing things like you know chartering jumbo jets from Silicon Valley and flying in VCs into a conference, venture capitalists and startups from the US to a wow. conference in Queens in Brisbane. So just thinking at a whole new level. Similar in Sydney and Melbourne, there's similar things happening. There's startup precincts being developed. Um, so to bring that back to Perth, I think. 
we've done a really good job here of growing organically um, and it is a very resilient ecosystem as well because there's a number of different players and partners doing different things which in themselves are financially sustainable whereas and not just financially delivering on what they want to deliver but also yeah. you know they can keep delivering it because they've got a business model that works um, so that's that's a really good thing but we haven't had that alignment I think between universities government corporates and that community oh, so we're all linked in yeah that's that's the challenge I think at the moment and there's groups like startup WA which we we support that are working to do that but when you don't have that alignment it's very difficult to you know we're not going to be able to achieve what's possible without that alignment so um, there are risks in like in Queensland there's huge risks that if the government changes which you know inevitably will mm. at some point um, they will that money will disappear and then all of the businesses that were built through that may also disappear because they don't have a business model yeah whereas in Perth everyone's got a business model because there was no large was cash no, yeah. injection so yeah. so, it's, it's so yeah, there's, yeah there's yin and yang to that isn't yeah. there? but but at the same time there could be a lot more from you know getting a lot more activity Australia is a bit strange in that industry really looks to the government for leadership around this mm. sort of stuff um, rather than sort of going it alone so there is that expectation and it's across the board I so think it's cultural just, thing. I think it's definitely a cultural yeah. thing yeah you don't see it in the US like when yeah. you bring out the government no one no one's paying attention sort no one's of thing paying attention, yeah. yeah but here there is an expectation maybe it's you know how it's definitely a cultural thing um, that the government will be on board with major projects major initiatives it's sort of the the group that's bringing everyone together um, and there's a bit of activity in that space at the moment, but not at the not at the level of other st- cities, and then not even to mention other countries. So Singapore is investing in that same four-year period, nineteen billion dollars in science and technology. That's next level. That's next level. So, and it's not just them; it's other countries, especially through Southeast Asia, um, that are looking at that because they're wanting to create the best ecosystem that ideas come to them to grow. Um, so that's what we're competing with. And at the moment, we're not, wow. you know, we're not really competing at all. So, so there's still a lot of at a grassroots level and at a community level. I think the ecosystem's doing really well. Um, it's sustainable. Um, there's good outcomes coming from it. There's good businesses growing from it. But there's more work to do around how do we align all of the interests and really grow as a as an overall ecosystem because we're we're not there. We're not competing interstate, and then we're not even we're, we're definitely yeah. not competing globally. So. Yeah, it always makes us. A little bit like a village at times, which at times we are here in Leffelford. Um What would it take for all that to sort of come together, do you reckon? Because yeah. it's very easy now mm-hmm. to say, oh, it'll take somebody in government. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> and, and then and fall and into that Australian trap. That's right, it, exactly. And, and we, you can't sort of wait for that either. Like yes. the world's going to keep moving. With it's a, focusing on the uncontrolled. That's right. Um, so I think it is... Uh, and, and there's definitely work being done. So on Wednesday, there's a, a session with Startup WA is hosting of all the different sort of startup ecosystems and innovation ecosystem supporters to see how can we better work together to create a better outcome. Um, so I think there's there's activities already underway. I think there can probably be more from um, corporate WA looking at who who very soon is going to need a lot of technology workers. Yes. Um, and that's probably the one thing they're going to need more and more of. And if they're not being you know developed here it's going to cost them a lot to get them in from overseas. Yes. So well, we're going to see exactly the same that we did yeah. years ago with the mining boom. Exactly. So, you know, we know all the numbers that that industry is going to keep growing. All of the all companies need those staff. So how can they get engaged to actually support that being developed locally? Um, and it's, it's a long-term plan. It's not going to happen in one or two or three years. It's mm. going to be a four to 15-year plan. So I think... Mm thinking in those longer timescales. And that's really, you know, all the leases we're signing are 10 years minimum sort of thing. So we are thinking long-term about what we're doing. Um, yes. So I think it is really making sure that, yeah, everyone is thinking long-term and, and can work together, which which I think all the, the, the seeds of development are there. And, and everyone has been in this startup ecosystem for the last sort of six years. So it's just, it, it's about how do we level it up to that next point. Mm. And um, what's the tipping point? And what's the yeah. tipping point? And, and how do we get... All those different um, groups, whether it's um, yeah, government, university, um, community sector, so not for profits, and uh, and corporates working together in that common common alignment. So, um, yeah, I think there's a role for each of those sectors to play in that to actually wanting it. I guess the challenge is going to be if mining is picking up now, 
will everyone get busy again and yes. and forget about that we'll whole follow thing. the easy money <laughs> yeah so so i think there's there's a number of conflicting priorities around that but um it's all here. It's just a matter of packaging it and getting everyone working in the same direction. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm keen and we've been working with Startup WA and other industry groups around how that can happen. Um, but yeah, I think it is going to come down to individuals working together to, to get things really moving. Mm-hmm. So if we go back to um, the types of characters that come here that you mm-hmm. remember and we start to go a little bit deeper into the entrepreneurial journey. Can you give me a rough overview, uh, overview of the uh, like demographics of your mm. members here? Yeah. yeah, it's pretty varied. So, yeah. like, definitely sort of that millennial age group. So, sort of, what is it, what is it now? It's twenty sort of eight through to twenty five to thirty eight or whatever it is, thirty five. Um, so that group, I think it's even bigger than that. Actually, it's a mm. wider group than that. Um, definitely a lot within that group. But we've also got, because we've got larger businesses now using our spaces and medium-sized businesses and international businesses using us as satellite offices, um, there is a greater greater variance in that. So we've got, yeah, people from all age groups. Uh, there already are a number of student co-working spaces, so we probably have less students than I would probably like. I think it would be good to have more students. But students generally come along to our events and programs rather than yes. be working in the space each day because they're still studying, they're still doing other things. Um, but it is sort of, yeah, that sort of 25 age group plus all the way through um, from all different walks of life and backgrounds uh, using the space. Right. I'm just curious, you know, if there are any people like myself, 40, 43 with mm-hmm. lot, you know, family and commitments. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and a lot of people, especially with younger families, use this space because they want to separate work and, and home. Right. Um, so they'll come in here and work uh, because they don't, you know, they want home when they're at home to be for the family and when they're at work to be for work. That nice clear division yeah, correct. between spaces and anchoring in what you do in one place and anchoring in what you do in yeah. another. Because when you work at home, it, um, it tends to blur everything. Mm. Um, okay. So this provides a, a solid line for that to change. So mm. definitely we've got people of all ages using our spaces and all demographics and social backgrounds as well. Um, because, yeah, it is, it is really open. You know, It's about how do we support people to do whatever they're doing. Um, no matter what that might be, and, and yeah, it, it, people come from all different backgrounds with all interesting ideas. I don't judge ideas anymore because yes. you, you never know what's going to work. We had some Indeed. people in here, what was it, now five years ago, talking, having a Bitcoin meetup, and turns out that that was quite a big thing, yeah. whereas at the time <laughs> I wasn't so sure. So, so I, yeah, it really it's about who knows what ideas are going to go, and let's just give people the best chance of working mm. on, on whatever it is they're working on. If you look, if you sort of um, have a mental scan across the the number of people that have come through here and those that have been successful, are there any sort of uh, traits, behavioural patterns, or anything that you've spotted in individuals that are like really keys for success mm-hmm. in there? Yeah, I think um, being adaptable is a big one. So being able to change what you're working on really quickly in in, in the startup sort of industry, it's called pivoting, yes. where you, you're working on one idea, you get customer feedback and validation. And then you change to address whatever that the new idea might be based on that feedback. So it's actually yeah real market research. So I think that's that's a big one. Um, people have to be able to take feedback and then act on it really quickly. And the quicker you can do that, the more successful you'll be. Get your ego out of the way. Definitely get that out of the way. Yeah, um, ideas. Are, it's everyone's got ideas, but it's about are there customers for it, and yes. you know can you actually deliver on it and execute. So um, I think that's. People who have done well and have grown their businesses have really focused on that, um, and done it in a lean way as well. So they haven't, you know, they haven't got a loan or mortgage the house to do that. Do that idea. They've tested it rapidly, and it's only at the point where they know, you know, if you put in one dollar, it'll spit out three dollars, sort of thing. Yes. And you know that your business works. It's at that point that they start investing heavily. But there's lots of opportunities now to test your ideas rapidly without spending you know, all your money on, on making it happen. Um, I think the people that yeah, are really open uh, with what they're working on and willing to take help to, um, to get their mm. idea up and running, that's an important trait for sure. Um, I think one of the ones I look at is will they get on a plane or not? Uh, so I give the example of so one of our, the companies we invested in through our accelerator program, HUM, um, got an opportunity in Berkeley in the US um, and then within, I think, probably two or three weeks, they were on a plane and gone. And, and, and sort of just set gone, up there. Gone. Just gone. Yeah, moved right. their whole company there 
because they had that opportunity. And they're in esports, um, so Perth isn't exactly the mecca of esports. Whereas the US is uh, is a pretty awesome spot to be. So makes sense for their business. Another one we were mentioning to one of our members that oh we'd been contacted by an investor in I think it was in Singapore and they were interested in opportunities. That person then said, oh can you connect us with that? Per-? And then two days later they were on a plane to Singapore to meet the right. person. So I, I think there's a lot to you know it's it's relatively inexpensive to get anywhere in the world now. And face-to-face contact is really, you know, one of the key ways to move things forward more quickly. Mm. So will people get on a plane for their ideas is probably a, a judge for me. And, and obviously there's a lot of business, small businesses don't need to do that because their market is here. But really those scale up, you know, businesses, yes. will the founders or the team jump on a plane to go where their customers are or do what they need to do to do, get stuff done? Do whatever is required. Yeah, do whatever's required. And, and it is amazing how big a barrier that you know, spending the money to jump on a plane to explore an opportunity is for people. So, mm. so I think that's that's probably a quick summary of, yeah, the different yes. traits we've seen. Um, but yeah, it, it's the good news is there's lots of people who are willing to do all those things um, and take feedback and learn those skills to, to build their ideas. Yeah. Is there any, have you noticed any sort of similarities in the, 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 the steps in the journey? Mm. And again, I'm not talking about the idea or building the company, I'm talking about um, you know, because people, it's nothing more exciting than coming up with an idea. <laughs> yeah. But then going through that, um, is is there part uh, sort of a, a commonalities in the journey you see? Um, uh, mainly through the the startup journey. From a you know they have the idea, they then need to validate it. So we provide a whole range of ways, yeah. through hackathons and things for them to validate their idea, form a team, those sort of things. Um, then they can go into one of our accelerator programs to get seed funding to grow their idea. Mm. So Plus 8 does that. We've had 13 companies go through that so far. Um, and then they once they're through that, they sort of know they've got something mm. and they look at how they scale it up or grow it or, and they've got customers. So that's probably the general process. Mm. So it must be a real sense of um, idea then curiosity mm-hmm. and then, okay, I think we've nailed something down and then having to refine it. Yeah. And also at any of those points as well, needing to potentially go back to the beginning. Yes. Um, because what you're working on may, if you don't do those cycles sort of quickly enough of the iteration of your idea and testing with customers, um, you can get stuck spending money on either development or a new product or something like that. Yeah. That you find out no one really wants. And luckily it's happening less and less where, you know, we haven't had for a while someone spending $100,000 building an app, which they forgot to ask the potential customers if they wanted sort of thing. But you would be surprised, it definitely happens. Um, yes. People people forget that, you know, who's their customer? Who's actually going to be yeah. paying the money for this thing? Um, because it's that's not just my idea. That's right. It's yeah. something that someone's got to buy. Someone's got to buy it. Uh, or, you, yeah, you need a customer. Someone's, don't just build stuff because it's cool. To, oh, you definitely can, but that's a hobby. That's no problem. Yes. But if you're building a business, you need to make sure that, yeah, there is a customer who's going to pay for this and really clearly defining who that is. Super. If um, if you look at those um, sort of skills um, that you talked about, whereabouts can we, um, or, or, or even the mindsets that we're talking about, where can we go and where can someone start to foster those and, and, and develop those? Yep. You know, and I'm talking about, you mentioned children as well, mm-hmm. but also as adults, mm-hmm. because um, you know, there's, a, there's probably a number of people, much like myself, who mm-hmm. had a career for a period of time and then all of a sudden a bit of awakening that, mm-hmm. oh, this is not necessarily for me. And now, you know, after 15 years of knowing what I can do to generate money through finding a job and executing that well, mm-hmm. Um, I want to go and do something creative and, yep. and stuff like that. So, where, where do I learn those sort of resiliency skills and stuff that I need? Yeah, and and it's interesting because we're having more and more sort of baby boomers that are retiring um, coming into our spaces, looking at upskilling, right. and also they just want to work a couple of days a week. So, what are the opportunities to do that? So, I think that builds back to the whole labour market completely changing mm. and different requirements. From you know, people aren't going to necessarily have the time. Uh, if you need to retrain every five years, you're not going to have the time to go and do a three-year degree every five years. It just no. won't work anymore. So I think some of the ways we've tackled... a bit obsolete almost <laughs> yeah. on that front. And the universities are all working on what does the future of degrees and education look like, mm. but probably not as fast as the market is changing. So, yes, yeah. So that's a big challenge. But I guess some of the things you can do through our spaces and in the broader community, 
Um, there's so I mentioned hackathons, which are weekend long events, and and they essentially are. You know, you might come out at the end of it with a with a business, but the goal is where you have a hundred people come along for the weekend. They come in on a Friday night. People can get up and pitch the idea they want to they want to work on. People then form teams around that idea. So usually you get sort of could be between seven and fifteen teams, and then they'll go through that sort of startup process in fifty four hours. So they'll do their business model, you know, work out their business model, go and meet customers in the street sort of thing and, and you know, judge that, get, test their idea with them. They'll then prototype it, so they'll create sort of, it could be wireframes or an actual prototype, and then they'll pitch it to sort of uh, investors or judges on the, fr- on the Sunday night. So they go through the whole startup process yeah. with a new team of people that usually they don't know within 54 hours. And what it does is builds, you know, the... Uh, build skills in teamwork that they might otherwise not have, uh, build skills around sort of customer validation and actually checking that your customer wants what you're building, um, introduces them to different skill sets as well. So mm-hmm. no one can start a business by themselves, especially in the technology space. You need your finance person, you need your business development person, you need a, a uh, technical person. And the same with most other businesses. Those skills don't sit within one person. It's just, it's impossible. Sort of yes. thing. So you need to have, find people to work with and this sort of event provides that opportunity. Um, and then it, it's about, you know, we've seen people at the end of, of that weekend who have made sales. They've, you know, got revenue coming through for their new product or service wow. or idea. So I think it's, that's a good way to test an idea really quickly rather than... Just throw yourself in it. That's right. See where yeah. you are. And get yeah. started, meet people um, and get moving from there. I mentioned skills of the modern age. So that's another good one where they run sort of short courses, workshops around what are the modern skills you need, uh, whether it's growth marketing or, you know, um, 3D printing, those sort of skills. Um, so uh, Nate runs a number of different programs for that. Uh, every month there's a whole range of different things you can go and do. And they're designed for it to be for people, yeah, who are sort of mid-career, looking at upskilling in what they're doing and, and discovering some new skills. Uh, so I think more things like that will start happening, and, and that's definitely the feedback from that program has been, mm. and those those workshops has been really great with people doing more of them after they've done one. So, so there's a number of different the, the general community. There's workshops here all the time. Um, I can't keep up with all the workshops yes. that are happening. Um, there are so many opportunities to learn. Uh, I think it's, yeah, you can join Space Cube with the Connect membership for free and then get access and see what's happening with all of those different programs. But they are for all ages. We're seeing all sorts of different people doing them uh, from all walks of life. And I guess it just builds back to that, that need to retrain and reskill more and more frequently. Um, there's just not going to be the opportunities to take long breaks from work to, uh, to yes. do that. So you're going to have to do it basically all the time, unfortunately. Indeed. Yeah. Super. So if you look back across your journey with Space Cube, what are some of the key personal learning points that you've picked up along the way? Um, I think definitely a lot of my energy comes from the people around me, uh, which is probably the same for everyone. But I think for me, particularly, like if members are having a good experience, then that sort of empowers me to, to keep going, keep doing more good work. Yeah, um, that's your market feedback. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have recently, so I went on a longer holiday and came back and met with a lot of our members um, to get feedback from them on how we were going, where we should go next, that sort of thing. And and that was really rewarding in that a lot of the feedback was really good, which is awesome. But at the same time, um, just the things we could action that were just small, simple things, but made their lives easier and then incorporate that into what we do was, you know, you just wouldn't know if you weren't talking with, again, talking with your customers, talking with your members. Um, so for me, yeah, I think personally that's a, that's a big driver. Um, I think I have managed to have a, a reasonably good, for, for building it, building anything, a reasonably good work-life balance. So I've still managed to take holidays, still managed to, um, you know, spend a lot of time with family and friends, don't work weekends much anymore. The first few years, definitely, it was, you know, yeah. long days and, and weekends, but now we've got a great team at Space Cube that you know can do a lot of a lot of those sort of you know can do a lot of the work, um, and do a really good job and, and good at engaging members and good at bringing in new members. So, so I think that for me I've managed to actually yeah maintain some sort of balance. I mean, still every now and then it mm. might you know get busy when we've got projects on or things, but um, that's been good. Um, I think other personal learnings. Um, 
just that there is so many good people doing good stuff is is really reassuring and that's what our business is built on is yeah. people are actually building their ideas they're they're following what they've been dreaming about so that again gives me a lot of energy but also I think that as a whole is you know we need more of that yes. um, and unfortunately the way things are going is people are going to be forced to do that moving forward because there just won't be the full-time jobs anymore so mm. people will need these skills they'll need these types of spaces and they'll need that um, community of support that previously a larger corporate would have given them in th- through you know that yeah. that sort L&D of L&D budgets and yeah, yeah. plans and yeah, yeah. and just uh, you know people water cooler conversations that sort of thing which just won't exist anymore so or will exist for much much fewer people so I think Space Cubed um, and the work we're doing can provide um, that to a whole generation of people that aren't going to be able to have that same level of security or it will be a different type of security you know knowing waking up every morning and having the app tell you that you know you've got a bunch of jobs happening that day and you know exactly what's happening but it's all for different businesses yes it's just a different type of security it and is and something that a lot of people would much prefer mm. but also a lot of people wouldn't so mm. i like um, it because um it then makes you more accountable for what you're doing mm-hmm. you know the and i I've, I've been in the position where you know i've had um a, a, a career for a period of time and i worked for one company for five years and, and yeah, you're abdicating a large amount of responsibility mm-hmm. while you're doing that and, and trading out and what have you and accepting some stuff that you don't necessarily want to. So yeah. I, I, I like this where you are more responsible for what you're doing and what you're delivering and where it's going. And whilst that might sound great and free and easy on one level, it comes with a huge amount of responsibility mm-hmm. and discipline on another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess that's going to be, going to be the challenge as more and more people are sort of pushed into that category mm. of needing to be more responsible for their day-to-day month-to-month activities um, and where the next dollar is sort of coming from and making sure that they are on all the platforms that allow them to find work whether it's professional services or whatever it might be or in communities where they can find work quickly um, and, it, and more fluidly I guess that's going to be the challenges people haven't been they've been told that you know they'll go to university get their degree and then work in a job um, which that's just not going to exist anymore. Yes. So I, well, I that guess path, so. that path is disappearing rapidly. So mm. I think that's the challenge. Um, it's how do we prepare people for that? And, and I think Space Cubed can play a role in mm. how people are prepared for that sort of world and, and make it easier to make that less of a daunting thing. Because, mm. yeah, quite a lot of people, I'm, I'm comfortable in that world, but a lot of people aren't. So. Yes. Mm. How has your journey um, affected your almost sense of who you are and how you look at Brody yourself? Mm. Um, I think I think it's definitely helped me work out you know what I want to do like I would find mm. it tough now to go into a normal job sort of thing yeah. you found uh, your purpose found purpose definitely and I think um, and I think we've stayed pretty true to that the whole time as well I think everything we've done and the different brands we've got are all focusing on that core purpose of space cube and I guess my purpose as well around you know, how do we support people through that journey and and um, support business and support new new ideas. So, so I think it's definitely reinforced that rather than you know anything else. And I am really happy going to work every day and and knowing that the people we work with are all committed to that. We've just done more planning days recently, and and yeah, everyone on our team is committed to that purpose as well and and gets it, which is really nice. Even some of the newer stuff that haven't been around that long. Um, so yeah, excited about sort of where things are heading next, but. Yeah, for me, that purpose is definitely reinforced. It's given me some awesome learning opportunities as well, which otherwise I don't think I ever would have had. So, um, you know, I've been able to travel quite a lot to see different spaces. And I'd travelled yeah. a lot before, but definitely that's given me, uh, yeah, a really, this has given me a really great platform to do that, speaking at conferences, those sort of things. Um, so, yeah, for me personally, it's, it's worked out really well yeah, so far. Yeah, find your message yeah, and yeah. platform to deliver your message. That's right. And, and SpaceCube, I think, is a great platform to do that. Um, and we've grown as the market's grown and we'll can, as long as there's a, you know, members that are wanting what we're doing next, we'll keep growing. Awesome. And what do the next three to five years look like Ooh. for you, yep. professionally and outside? Yeah, I, I guess, so from a business perspective, we're, um, yeah, we're really looking at uh, talking with our members at the moment as to what they need. We've got some renovations happening on one of our floors, but looking at, yeah, what, what's needed next as that, um, as that whole community keeps changing so quickly, what can we do to better support them? 
So there's a fair bit of work being done on that mm. right now. Um, it's a really part. tough one in sort of three to five years what what this whole space <laughs> will be yeah. um, because it has, you know, we've been open six years and it's changed so much in that time. You know, if you just take those stats, it's by that point, yeah, you're looking at sort of 65% of the workforce being millennials. Um, so I'm still unsure of what that will do to this sort of space. Uh, sometimes I think, you know, we're just not thinking big enough in what we're doing. Yes. Um, because that is a huge shift that, you know, is going to have a massive impact. Um, so I think that for me is, yeah, more that, yeah, do we need to think bigger about what we're doing and what does that look like as a business? I think that's, our spaces are doing awesome and they'll keep growing. Programs are great and they'll mm. keep growing. But, yeah, what's the bigger things we can do? Um, but we'll work that out in time. Uh, for me personally, it's, yeah, really... Um, looking at how we, you know, how my role now is how do I support the team to deliver um, because they're, they're the ones who are sort of on the coal face working with, you know, our members every day. So how can I better, from a leader's perspective, support them to, to develop their leadership skills, do what they want to do in life? I really see this as a vehicle for them to, to excel and learn as well. Um, Space Cube is a vehicle for that. Um, and then I guess the last one is, yeah, um, from a personal perspective, it's about... Um, yeah, just making sure I can maintain that sort of work-life balance and and because if, if I don't, then it's going to become a lot harder to deliver all this stuff. So yeah. so I think, yeah, we're, we're well set up and, and personally I'm set up well to be able to do that. Awesome. Um, what are some of your sort of um, habits that um, you routinely do that keep you grounded, effective, focused energetic yep um i think i already mentioned it but talking with members is definitely one of them yep. that keeps me focused on they're, they're the ones paying us and making sure that we can keep doing what we're doing so knowing where their heads at and where they're heading next is really important and, and gives me inspiration to keep going so definitely that one um i think um managed to mention this as well but taking those sort of regular holidays yep. is a big one so managed to take two months off um uh, recently, got to go to Japan and cycle around Japan, which was awesome um, for 20 days. It was a lot hillier than I expected, well, mountainous, more mountainous <laughs> than I expected, not even hills. But I guess having that time to be able to think and get out of the business, even going to the you know co-working conference last week and getting exposed to new ideas and see where the market's sort of heading, I think those sort of opportunities are important. Um, it's one of those things, even when I get invited to, I get invited to some random sort of events and talks and things, I still think it's good to go to those, even if no matter how busy you are, because you never know who you'll meet there. Um, and also you never know what the ideas that are being shared, what impact that'll have on your thinking. So for me, that, that's, yeah, that's a big one, is making sure that you get regularly exposed to new ideas in different industries and setting up so that's sort of scheduled in. It's not something where you're like, oh, hang on, I've been working in the business and focused for yes. five months now and haven't had any new ideas. Haven't had it pop up. That's right, yeah. So I think scheduling that in regularly and um, that's, a, that's a big one for me as well. Mm. If you could go back and have a quick conversation with Brody back in 2010 before he embarked on the Odyssey of Space Cube, what piece of advice would you give him? Um, it's a really boring one, but it's one that would have saved a whole bunch of time and energy is find someone who knows property really well <laughs> up front um, because I don't have a property background and, you know, didn't, didn't know anything about property. But the yeah. decisions we were making were very property, you know, it sort of underwrites everything else. So the deals you do on the property front basically set up your business for success or failure. Yeah. So, so it's a very, um, yeah, it's a very specific one of uh, I would have find the best property person I know and get them to teach me. Right. Um, that would be my recommendation to myself. Um, on the um, yeah, on the leadership front, I think I've, I've done a lot of learning, but I think it probably reinforced that that's important. So, because that can be the sort of stuff that you sort of drop when things get hard or busy. Um, so, I'd reinforce that make sure you do take those opportunities to go and learn and and go overseas uh, and see see where everything's heading because that reinforces sort of every decision that's being made in the business. So mm. that's probably the two things. It's uh, yeah, definitely the property thing. It's yeah, if I knew then what I knew now about property, it would have probably made us a lot more money and yeah. also helped us to grow a lot bigger. Um, I mean, it's worked out fine, but, you know, the yes, you don't know. 
Uh, and then on the leadership front and, and learning front, making sure that you commit to that time because, yeah, it, it's what influences everything. Mm. And then one final question mm. is if, if you could input one piece of learning into almost uh, everyone around, mm-hmm. almost like, you know, in the matrix when he shows <laughs> up, um, just to make life more straightforward, what, what would that be? Um, I think it would be to just get started quicker. <laughs> so rather than procrastinating about things, yeah. try things. Um, just no matter how early you think it is, get started and start testing and learning and trying your ideas, whatever it might be. There's yeah, still, and I, I'm, to be honest, I don't see it as much anymore because I think once people walk through the doors here or sign up online or whatever it might be, they've made a conscious decision that they're yes. going to get started on something. This is the first level of commitment. That's right. It, by signing up to come here. Exactly. So this is a way for them to commit to themselves, similar to as people do with gym memberships, but hopefully more successful than that. <laughs> yeah. um, for people to say, I made a conscious decision that I'm going to start something. Um, or work on my idea or whatever it might be I, I think it's for, for everyone else and it's probably the broader group in the population as well we just don't see them here is yeah if you've got ideas or if you're thinking about something then the quicker you start it the quicker you start learning and can pivot and change what you're doing to, mm. to get where you want to go so that would be the one thing it's yeah I think a lot of we could be a lot further along if people got started earlier with things so like it mm. like it well, it's been an Absolute pleasure talking to you today, Brody. Um, if anybody wants to come and find out more about you and, and uh, SpaceCube, where can they go? Um, so they can just go to spacecube.com or shoot me an email at brody at spacecube.com. Um, and we have open houses in the space, so you're welcome to come and try working. Just register through our website. Um, but yeah, there's lots of events on. As I said, I can't keep up. So all of that's available through the website, and there is lots of opportunities to learn and work and meet really interesting people. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.